Advancing public health with wearables, strategic development of IOMT biosensing lifestyle devices. Episode 2, Wearable IOMT Biosensory Devices, Definitions, Applications, and Challenges Yielding Innovations. We're speaking with Christopher Montalbano. He's the CEO of MIDI Medical Product Development. MIDI assists clients in conceptualizing and commercializing their medical devices. How are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing well, Matt. Thanks for asking. It's a uh, beautiful day outside at our Medical Device Development Innovation Center here in New York. Additionally, what makes today great is a wearable IOMT device, which we engineered for Forest Devices, was just designated by the FDA as a breakthrough device. It's called the Alpha Stroke, and it's a wearable early stroke detection system. That is amazing news, Chris. Congratulations on that. It's, uh, it's not often the FDA makes such an announcement about a device. Thanks, Matt. And uh, that's, that's true. We believe they decided to announce this because it's an unprecedented technology addressing a clinical need, which has only been able to be diagnosed within a healthcare facility using imaging systems. This new technology we developed for forest devices will bring stroke detection to the people out in the field. Because it's unprecedented, there are no predicates to reference, which would assist in defining a 510k regulatory path. So therefore, this program was considered, and it is, a de novo regulatory pathway, which made the development quite interesting. That is very interesting. Now, this is certainly going to make a big impact on people's lives and is very much needed. In the first podcast, we touched on the types of IOMT sensors. Can you elaborate on what wearable IOMT biosensory devices are all about? Certainly, Matt. Let's start by defining these devices and then look at the components which make up such a device. So a biosensory device, they're made up of a transducer and a biological element. Now, the bio element interacts with an analyte, also known as a biological sample, uh, and it tests that analyte. So that interaction generates a biological occurrence or a biological reaction, which is converted into an electrical signal by the transducer. And the transducer is what's known as the sensor. Now let's look at each of these four components in this definition. So first, the analyte or the biological sample. It would be in a wearable device, it would be a non-invasive or minimally invasive acquired sample, which can consist of one or more of the following items. So an example being sweat, saliva, or interstitial fluid, which is fluid found in the skin. It could be tears or breath. The second component in a system like this is the biological element, which falls into three categories. So there's the biocatalytic group, which comprising of enzymes. There's the bioaffinity group, including antibodies and nucleic acids. And then there's the micro-based containing microorganisms. Now, the third component in a system like this is the biological reaction that occurs between the analyte and the biological element, generating a signal that could be measured. So this could be in the form of an electrical, optical, or thermal type of reaction. So the fourth component is the transducer, otherwise known as the sensor. So using an appropriate transducer converts the biological reaction signal into a measurable electrical parameter, meaning a current or a voltage. Now the clinical objective of this device is then to compare the data collected to known biomarkers, which will provide an indication of a condition or a chronic disease, 
and or the body's response to chronic treatment of a condition or chronic disease. Now, now that we have a better idea as to how the components of a biosensory device interact, what would be some examples of these devices currently under development within the industry? Um, some interesting examples include uh, one being a graphene-based sweat sensor array for diabetes monitoring applied to the human forearm, another being a wearable chemical electrophysiological hybrid biosensor configuration for real-time health and fitness monitoring. Uh, the wearable textiles have screen-printed electrodes on them and are worn on the body. Um, another example would be a, an integrated wearable sensor array band for multiplex sweat extraction and analysis applied to the wrist with a sensor array configuration. And the device provides simultaneous detection of chloride, sodium, and glucose in sweat. Now, the sweat is induced via electrical stimulation. So, Matt, there's no need for breaking a sweat in exercising in that particular uh, device, which is good. Another uh, example would be a fluorometric skin interfaced microfluidic platform for the measurement of chloride, sodium, and zinc in exercise-induced sweat. So with this method, you do need to quote-unquote break a sweat. Um, and there are many other examples, but one last example to mention is uh, a mouth guard-based wearable uh, salivary uric acid biosensing platform with integrated wireless electronics. So that provides analysis of the uric acid concentrations uh, in your saliva. Those are interesting devices providing specific benefits to the patient. What would be some examples of uh, other wearable IOMT biosensory applications? Well, just to, to mention a few others, and uh, one would be a, uh, a CGM, continuous glucose monitor, which we had alluded to in our first podcast. Also a cholesterol monitoring device. Uh, there are devices monitoring fertility periods. Uh, also cancer detection, infectious disease detection, detecting cardiovascular diseases, the list goes on and on. And Matt, it's, it's quite an extensive list. Sounds like it. Now, bringing healthcare to the patient in a telemedicine or a telediagnostics modality using a biosensory wearable form factor must have its development and commercialization challenges. Would you be able to highlight a few of these challenges? Absolutely, Matt. Uh, well, we view these challenges as opportunities to innovate and create intellectual property for our clients via unique designs and engineering solutions. So uh, we look forward to those challenges and, and really flexing our, our methods and our, our uh, knowledge in this industry. So here's a, a short sampling of some of the challenges. So the first challenge is correlating the blood biomarkers with the biosample analyte biomarkers. Uh, so considerable validation work is required to develop a reliable correlation between biomarkers derived from blood samples, which is the golden standard, of course, and those obtained by sampling various externally accessible biosample analytes. And, and what would those analytes be? For example, we had mentioned uh, the tears and interstitial fluid, but these biomarkers correlate well with the blood biomarkers. So, so that's a good thing. Although sweat 
requires additional studies to provide strong correlations with that golden standard. Whereas saliva, while correlating well, it has low concentrations of biomarkers and external factors can influence the tests. For example, food particles and other undesirable biofouling materials. Now, a, a second challenge in this genre is calibration. So developing proper methods of calibrating the device in a passive manner. So for example, when you're calibrating a diagnostic piece of equipment in a lab, it requires instructions and training, but we can't have that on a wearable. We need a passive usage ceremony. A third challenge being proper use and compliance. So to achieve efficacy, a wearable has to encourage proper use and compliance through direct contact with the body and or biosample analyte without inducing discomfort to the wearer. So compliance can be achieved through lifestyle HFE optimization and use of advanced materials and intelligent ergonomic design providing the necessary scalability in human form and flexibility for lifestyle motion. To mention another challenge or fourth challenge, fluidic sample transport and evaporation mitigation. So in these wearables, when transporting small quantities of the analyte sample, or let's say sweat, via microfluidic manifolding to the reaction zone, the device requires sample conservation and evaporation mitigation techniques. And one last challenge to mention among many uh, is the issue of how to induce sweat. So often extraneous exercise does not pair well with the patient's lifestyle or the time of day when the biosample needs to be acquired. In these conditions, as it was previously mentioned in the last podcast, sweat could be induced via electrical stimulation. Now, you just took us on a, a deeper view of what is involved with wearable IOMT biosensory devices. Although in the previous podcast, you mentioned a second type of wearable IOMT type device physiological devices. Can you elaborate on those? Yep, most certainly, Matt. Although first, it's important to mention that pairing biomarker findings from a biosensor with the physiological data within the same device can often provide an enhanced insight on a patient's condition. The two technologies could be used in tandem, or they could still be used independently. So now in next week's podcast, episode three, we'll provide a deep dive on wearable IOMT physiological devices and then demonstrate how to commercialize these devices under MIDI's innovation roadmap, utilizing our development DNA approach. Under this approach, MIDI's team of engineers and usability experts tied to their industrial designers have the ability to utilize development DNA's innovation roadmap to address the functional, lifestyle, cost to manufacture, safety, and business requirements of what I'm going to call the golden standard approach. And we pair that with the follow-through to execute upon that approach in a rapid, agile product development fashion under MIDI's quality first umbrella. The next podcast, episode three in this series, will explore wearable IOMT physiological devices, their definition, applications, and the innovations to address their challenges. We'll catch you next time. <music>